<laughs> All right, Jalen, we are back with some more good stuff coming at you on a Tuesday. It's the first episode of 2024. A happy new year. Um, reining it in um, with some excellent football. Some excellent college football yesterday. Um, maybe hit on that in final thoughts. Um, and so much to get to. One more week of the regular season, and then it's playoff times in the NFL. We've also got some basketball to hit. How are you doing on this second day of 2024? Well, seen better days. The new year was definitely a good sign because we ended the year as a Vikings team pretty poorly. Uh, but we're already in the new year. That was a good little thing to end the year. You know, I guess you could say it was a good way to end the year on for some if you're a Packers fan. But uh, I'm already here and I'm already looking forward to the next season for, as a Vikings fan. We have a I think they were saying 1% chance to beat the Lions. And I think that also equals our chances of making the playoffs. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm already just getting to that. We're already going through the, the stages of denial. And right now we're already in acceptance, to be honest. As, uh, does, it, so, does, yeah. it help, does it help speed it along? Uh, I imagine it's speeding along the grieving process that the Minnesota Timberwolves have their greatest team in literally the history of the franchise. <laughs> that yeah that and to be honest with you colby i hate to say it you got me you got me into the game a little bit early you called it at the beginning of the season even though it was for different reasons um i have been looking already a little bit more into the draft um oh. just everything that involves postseason or just moving pieces i'm already starting to get into it i know we're in that type of season uh more importantly we're a month away from the nba trade deadline too so we're we're in peak like off season slash trade trade you know all the thing all the news that we usually like to cover, it's about to pop off here in a minute. So I mean, <laughs> that's right. Hate to spoil it, but we even had a December trade for the NBA. So that's right. a team, and it's the Ra the Raptors. We've been begging for them for <laughs> the whole time we've done this podcast, basically to do a trade. They finally made a trade, and we both really uh, liked it for them as well. So yeah, we'll hit that. When we get to NBA, but yeah, I thought that was a smart move. But okay, one more week of the regular season to go. Week 17 in the books. You want me to give you my first takeaway, or would you like to start? Uh, you can go ahead and kick us off. Okay. I mean, I hate to do this to you, but you know what I have to do first. Are you ready to apologize to me? Uh, no, ridiculing me, mocking me about Jordan Love when it was down in the dumps. Uh, and... I would just, that's just my first takeaway, obviously. I was right. It feels good. I, I know this is rough, rough for you guys, but I gave you a fair warning when you were doing your victory laps about, you and Gabe doing your victory laps about how awful the Packers were going to be. And it's not like they're great, but they should, they might make, they'll make the playoffs if they win week 17. But regardless of the Packers, Jordan Love, he's, he's on the guile meter. He's definitely the guy. Okay. He's 100% the guy. He had his rocky moments. He's a gunslinger. He's a lot more Favre than Rodgers, for sure. Um, not saying that – and I don't even think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I think he's very good when I'm counting off quarterbacks. It don't it doesn't get far much past 10 before you get to Jordan Love. He's not – you can't put him in the top 10 yet, but he's certainly in the top half. He's the mo tied for the most touchdown passes in the league with 30 – it would take Kenny Pickett like three years to throw that many touchdowns. So that's just my first takeaway. Is uh, I tried to I tried to warn you. I tried. 
that stuff, but Colby, here I, I you what come to come in two days. Watch this. Two days from now on Thursday. I'll be right here. Same thing that we're doing right now, talking about football. I'm gonna be ten toes down that the Packers will once again ruin this opportunity to get into the playoffs. Might happen. And I, I have full faith yeah. in what's going on in Chicago. Just does not. I'm, so I'm gonna say pause. I'm gonna say pause for concern because that's how much faith I still don't have in this guy. I still don't have much faith in him. Um, yeah, he played a solid game. And everything against us. I'll give them that. But I feel like it would also be a lot more challenging if my team had a certain quarterback at its wow. uh, helm. I told, I told you on Thursday when y'all were making fun of me for picking the Packers as a lock. I said the same thing I said before that Atlanta game. I don't know how many times I'm going to get chances I'm going to have the pick against Jared Hall. So that, that was also part of it. You're definitely right about that. Also, they could, they very well might lose to Chicago this week and miss the playoffs. But I still, I'm still, I still think I'm right about Jordan Love, even if they lose that game. The one game. Uh, If he loses that game, that's a must win. Got to get in playoff game. They're also, these are also kids, and he doesn't really have much of a defense. And this is also the team that you said that you proverbially owned. He did back it up in week one, but yeah, that's true. That part's true. This is this is this is all going to come back. I'm I'm going to talk this game up on Thursday, man. This is going to be uh, Thursday week. Eighteen is going to be games. a great slate. A lot oh, of yeah. great games because of what's going down here at the end of the season. So, yeah, great takeaway. I, I respect it. I respect the takeaway for sure. How about that? Uh, just like I've been saying about what about most of Jordan Love's performances. I hate him, but I respect it at least. I'll give him his flowers when I have to. And just in general, we need more good quarterbacks, man. There are a lot of bad teams with just disastrous quarterback situations. Teams out there. Yeah, it's the year of the backup. Yeah. So it's good that at least one of these, another young quarterback, especially in the NFC, is hitting. Yeah, and I think that that is a good point, Colby, because the Vikings, and this is my takeaway, Vikings are on a QB carousel nightmare. I mean, this is one of those ones that people like have fears of, I guess. Some people are afraid of the like horses carousels at the carnival. Like this is one of them where it's like a creepy carnival and it's just terrible quarterbacks going around and around. Um, I hate to bring Nick Mullins into this conversation, but he should have been called. He should have been starting that game. God dang it. That's what Kevin O'Connell made a terrible decision to start Jaron Hall. I respect it at the end of the day. Cause yeah, I got, he had solid starts. Yeah. He's the guy that you drafted yada yada. But you saw what Nick Mullins was doing either that, or I'm right there with you. How many times are you going to bet against Josh Dobbs? I mean, God did win us a couple of games. So I, I was honestly a little bit more on the fence of, Jaron Hall starting, but and that proved to be completely terrible. And then when we started Nick Mullins, it didn't uh, nothing really seemed to go click. I mean, yeah, he's he got the ball down the field really fast. That was important, but at the end of the day, he didn't score. And that was when I was like, all right, he got all like his first drive. He went all the way down to the red zone, and I was just like, all right, let's see if this even amounts to anything. Can't be a field goal. I got to score a touchdown in this situation already. And he didn't. He got got he got he uh, turned it over on downs. So it's a nightmare. And the worst part is, Tariko did drop a juicy bit and during that game, and it was about Kirk Cousins. He was like, uh, Kirk Cousins gonna should be walking around doing uh, workouts for the team. And then he paused for a second, and then he said, "Teams, because he's gonna be a free agent." Right. And I was like, "Ah." Oh, that's right. Well, Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent. And there's the chance that there's a very high chance that we're probably going to get him back. I I, I think so. But 
then again, then we're going to be in the same situation. I feel like next season, if he goes down or something happens, so it's a I, nightmare almost. It seems like. Yeah. Well, I think I think there are. I'll be since I was mean to you at the beginning. Just real quick before your first takeaway, I'll be the positives for the Vikings. As I said, I thought K. I mean KOC. You've got the coach at least. You definitely have the coach. He he is. I think he's sharp. I I really like Kevin O'Connell a lot. I think he's a great coach. Um, and you still have a lot of good pieces. The question I was going to ask you, would you, and you may have hit, kind of hinted at it right there, but if you had to bet on it, would you say, would you take to be the Vikings week one starter and quarterback next year, Kirk Cousins or the field? Like you think it will still be Kirk or someone else, whether that be a rookie, someone else that gets brought in. None of those other backups, obviously, but like, do you think, would you take Kirk or the field as the Vikings week one starter? All right now, I'm actually going to say Kirk, believe it or not. I mean, it's, it probably doesn't come with any surprise, but I'm leading Kirk Cousins just because we've seen also how much of a leader he is with that, and that just being with, with him not even being able to play and everything, you see how much of a difference it is. Um, and Justin Jefferson just coming out and saying that he wants Kirk Cousins back. He wants Kirk Cousins to be the one throwing him the football. So, and to be honest, if the Vikings came up there and was like, hey, Justin, uh, Here's some other guy not named Kirk Cousins on your, I think we're going to find, I don't know if we're going to bring him back or I don't know how, but he's due. He's a due. He's due. So if we try <laughs> to even convince him to come back, he's going to look at that and be like, that's not the guy that I want. So that that might hurt the relationship with Justin Jefferson as well. So I feel like it, it's Kirk or nothing at this point, because then you're not going to get Jefferson. There. Not to mention, we don't have Hawkinson already for most of next season, probably. And you're not bad enough to get one of the top quarterbacks. I guess you could trade up. You could definitely trade well, up. Well, if There's we lose this game, if we lose this game and the bear and the Bears win, see, this is what I'm saying. Then you gotta give us a minute here. That's a good point. All right. Uh, what's your first takeaway? Spent a lot of time on that. That was. One. It was the QB nightmare carousel. Oh, okay. All right. So my turn. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, my second takeaway. We might as well just bang this out because we've alluded at them, and I'm gonna stay right there in the NFC North. The Chicago Bears have maybe the most fascinating offseason ahead of them that I can remember a team having. Um, maybe that's recency bias, but man, that is – and it's a good spot. They're in a good spot with how they've turned it around. The team has looked better. They came out and said Eberflus is coming back is what this sounds like, which, yeah, I'm iffy on Eberflus, but he's at least seems to fix the defense, and he is a defensive guy, so he's at least not completely incompetent. So I don't have a huge problem with them bringing him back, even though I think there's better options out there. At the same time, you can't just be cycling through coaches. So, but the whole case, the Justin Fields has played a whole lot better the last few weeks, as you have have mentioned on this this podcast. Like you have not been a Justin Fields believer, but in recent weeks he's kind of won you over. They've they rolled Atlanta this week, which I mean, who knows? It's Atlanta, but still they've been on a tear. Fields is playing a lot better, and they're legitimately like. Uh, gonna finish not far below 500. They've finished strong. We'll see if they can spoil the Packers season. And they have a huge decision to make because they've already got the number one pick locked up from Carolina. They could keep Caleb, keep it, pick Caleb, trade fields, probably get a decent pick and just keep loading up that team, reset the contract. Or if they've seen enough, they're sold on fields, they could get a haul for the number one pick again. And that worked out pretty damn well the last time when they did that a year ago. So 
my, that's my second biggest takeaway is just the bears are fascinating as far as what they're going to do this offseason. And I really, I really don't know what they are going to do. I personally, I go back and forth. I would probably still take Caleb and move fields just because I think Caleb is a special prospect, but I, I totally understand the arguments both ways. So it's fascinating off season ahead. <laughs> Sorry. I sneezed. Yeah. Good. So yeah. Bears are going to be in for an interesting one. You already have fans chanting for fields this, to be the quarterback of the future. And you got people already on the media saying, well, too bad, too sad. You already know that they're going to draft a quarterback because they have these <laughs> two high-end high, high end picks. But you do also have other people showing, like trade models already, like how much value they can get for this number one pick just because it's such a QB-heavy class if they decide to stick with Fields. At the end of the day, I think Fields is playing great to show off that he still has some he still has something to win football games for other teams if they just choose to move off of them because i also saw that it's what they're looking at second round third round talks which is in my opinion a little disrespectful but i mean that his record also shows that so i mean hey as long as my team's not the one forking up the first round pick for him i don't mind um to be honest with you though it'll be interesting to see where fields lands in all this um because I want him to stay in Chicago. I've said this on the podcast. I would love for him to stay in Chicago and keep his losing tradition strong where he goes one in 10 until week 11. And then he wins out the rest of the season. I'm completely cool with that. He did that last year where he popped off at the end of the season. Completely fine. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, I'm always going to root for the guy because just, yeah, I did. I did bash on him at the beginning of the season, reminding people that, you know, he was a single-digit winning quarterback with three seasons under his belt. But, uh, yeah, that that's that's the main reason why this all gets interesting. So, yeah, if he wins against the Packers and plays the complete spoiler, it, 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 it brings a lot of value to the Bears, trust me, especially like what I said about what, with Jordan Love at the beginning of the season. All right. It's going to be it's a fascinating road ahead. All right, your second takeaway. Oh, man. Well, since we are, looks like we agree that this is the most interesting conference in football right now, it seems like. Uh, We're going to go ahead and keep it in the NFC. Uh, We're going to go to the NFC East and West. These guys came into a little battle. Uh, This was a fun one. The title I came up with here is Connor's Cards Conquer Philly and Pittsburgh, for those who don't remember. Uh, Yeah, the Cardinals came into Pennsylvania in general and beat both teams. Uh, this week, it was the Philadelphia Eagles. And boy, oh boy, does the results play into many, many teams' favor. Um, it keeps the Cowboys' chance to win NFC East alive. But most importantly, as you probably saw on the internet, Colby, there's a lot of uh, confused, displeased Eagles fans out there. Of What the hell is going on out there? Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it isn't. So I did say this at the beginning of the year, and I didn't think it would go into the, the way that it turned out to be, because I said that they would be a boring, boring team that you know is coming at you, what's coming at you. I said that at the beginning of the season, but I thought it would be more in the sense of the Patriots where you couldn't stop it. We're at the later point in the season now where teams actually found a way to stop it and completely 
ruin all the momentum that they had going into the playoffs. Uh, so they, yeah, they stuck to that trend that I said, but it's been in a very bad way. Uh, Matt Patricia now is calling the defense, and ever since then, it has not really turned out too well. I think the only win they got was with the Giants. So, yeah. And shout out to the Cardinals and James Conner for popping off in Philly and just keeping the whole NFC playoffs interesting. I, Kyler, I think he officially saved his job. They're not going to get really. I'd say so. Yeah, they're not getting a top two pick now. So, yeah, I think he saved his job. You're not you're not replacing him unless it was for Caleb or Drake May. I don't think. And as much as I love Penix, I don't think you would get rid of Kyler. So, so yeah, Kyler, I think has saved his job. I feel like Kyler and Penix are the same age. That's almost true. That's you're probably not that far off. <laughs> but uh yeah, that's I think that's a good takeaway. Yeah, Philly is a mess, man. I think they could very easily get cooked by especially now that they might have to go play Baker in the first round. Now Baker had the Bucks uh disappointed us all this week. So they might not have to play him in the first round. They might play the Saints, which God help us. I don't want to see the Saints in the playoffs. Um all right, I'll go. Dude, dude, what do you mean? After all this time, at the beginning of the season, in preseason, off season, you were actually a little up for the Derek Carr signing. And yeah, everything. I thought it was fine. I mean, I thought it was kind of weird, but yeah, I mean, they're about what I thought they'd be. They're a little worse than I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be slightly better than this. I think off season, Colby would have given them a playoff game. Yeah, probably. I think I, I said I picked it. Well, I think I picked Atlanta, but I thought Desmond Ritter was going to be much better than he was. So <laughs> Me too. Me too. We had a whole bandwagon, Colby. Yeah, that, that thing that has one, crashed. You know what? I'm glad we, we shut that one down early. We didn't we didn't drag it out like Davis Mills last year. We we, we recognized pretty early on that uh that we were wrong about that one. Um yeah. I almost wanted to do an NFC South takeaway just about it being just disgusting, but and the Bucks disappointing us after when they were uh, but I'll I'll okay. go to the AFC. I'll go to the AFC quickly. Oh. My third one. I have a couple other. I have one other NFC one, but I'll save it so we don't do all NFC at the beginning. Um, hand up. As much as he still drives me crazy with some of his decisions, I may have been a little emotional and dramatic in the moment when I said it was probably time to get rid of Mike Tomlin. Um, you know what? He's redeemed himself these last two weeks somewhat, not completely. Um, they are, have looked excellent the last two weeks. They're running the ball like the good old days and they punched Seattle in the face. Mason Rudolph's been very good. Did you know, Jalen, that the Steelers are nine and three in games where Mitch Trubisky does not play and they are oh and four in games in which Mitch Trubisky does play. So, that's honestly of all Tomlin's mistakes with the coordinators and everything. I I don't think he's not going to be fired. And as long as you don't let him pick the OC, I'm absolutely fine with him coming back. He got his record. He's another 17 years in a row, no losing seasons. He got, he didn't even draw it out to the last week for suspense. So credit to him. He didn't even want to, didn't even make us wait till the last week again. Um, but the biggest get, what has ended up being the thing that cost them the year is him for some reason. And listen, I've never been a Mason. Mason Rudolph's had some moments that were rough in the past. So I'm not, I can't kill him completely for it. But the fact that he, they just for two years have had Mitch Trubisky as a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph, he's clearly not. 
Like that, that is ultimately going to be the gaff that costs them their season. If they don't make the playoffs, that's ultimately what did them in. If they Mason Rudolph plays that three game stretch where they lost to New England, Arizona, and the Colts, they win at least two of those games with Mason Rudolph, especially how he's played. He's been better than Pickett. So there's a whole other quarterback controversy piece of this. Pickett might be cooked. Mason keeps cooking. I mean, you got to keep playing Mason at this point because this is the two best offensive games they've had in three years. So you obviously have to keep Mason in there. Um, but that's my third takeaway. I was maybe a little mature and emotional calling for Tomlin to be fired after those three games. But uh, the Rudolph Trubisky thing is is uh, is killer. That's what killed him, that, and that's on him. I said said it on last Thursday that. Kenny Pickett will have it has a problem right now. He's gonna have a problem. He has a problem. Has a and big problem. You were you were like, yeah, it's not that bad. It's just Mason Rudolph. We'll we'll see. Here we are on Tuesday, folks. And Colby, Colby has saw. He has saw, and he knows there might be a quick QB controversy. There is. Around. There isn't. There isn't. Oh, you say there is now. You're all completely on the way. Absolutely. Yeah. There, I agree. There's controversy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. If anything, I agree. Uh, yeah, congrats to Tomlin for saving that win loss record that we did. We did, we we thought was in jeopardy for a minute there, especially after that three game stretch you mentioned. Um, but now that now the fun becomes getting this team win the playoff game or win against the Baltimore backups because we all I think everyone knows now it's very likely that Snoop Huntley's playing this game. So, Colby, do you have any faith in beating Tyler Huntley? And getting into the playoffs is going to be the real question. Well, yeah, I have, yeah, I have absolute faith. They beat the Raven. They already beat the Ravens starters. Uh, 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 that's the starters. Yeah, this yeah. is the Ravens backups. Yeah. And what does yeah, what does the Steelers do when they have to face teams have, that are generally? Uh, they've seen Tyler Huntley. <laughs> there, is, I have complete faith in them. Though, what I'm more concerned about is Buffalo beating Miami, and. uh, because they can't even if they win that game, they could still miss out. If it's basically they got to win, and they need Buffalo or Jacksonville to lose. Um, and if either of those happen, they'll get in if they win. But listen, they listen. They could lose to Tyler Huntley. Of course, they could. It's the Steelers. You cannot. There is no such thing as a guaranteed win. Obviously, we've seen how that's gone this year, where they literally lost to two of the four worst teams in the league a few weeks ago. But I have full confidence they should beat Tyler Huntley. All right. Well, that that is pretty much all I got to say about that <laughs> and everything. So, takeaway. Uh, my next takeaway is going to be, let's see here. This one's more on the fly. I do actually like to mention just the performance that you just mentioned the Dolphins. So I'll go ahead and mention them as my takeaway. Just as not the Dolphins, but the game that they played in. I mean, the Ravens and everyone we just mentioned as well. So this game's perfect, actually. Dolphins, Ravens. Ravens came in, took care of business, pretty much planted themselves as the number one seed, as I mentioned a couple weeks back, you know, when they played the 49ers. Um, but here we are, you know, not, not, no, no big deal or anything. I think everyone saw that coming. To be honest with you, though, no one saw how badly they were going to beat them down. And the real thing is, can this Baltimore team actually do it is going to be my real takeaway here. Cause a lot of people are already assuming Baltimore is going to be the team to meet at the AFC championship. 
But we have seen in history past what Baltimore has fallen in. But this is a different team than I think we've seen before. I think they actually have some different pieces than they have in the playoff runs before. This offense is more pass-heavy than it is run-heavy, believe it or not. So I like what Baltimore's got. They came in, and they stomped Mike McDaniel, sadly. I hated to see it. Now they're in that – In for the Dolphins, they're in that now win-and-you're-in situation against the Bills like you just mentioned. So, yeah, it, it was a big, impactful game. And I did not think Baltimore was going to go in and win that like that. So they came in and really cemented themselves as the AFC team to beat. Yeah. That's pretty much the yeah. takeaway there. Yeah. No, I agree with you. They're absolutely the team to beat. I mean, they're better than everyone right now. There is until, look, it's going to be one of those things where, though, they had, until they do it in the playoffs, like there's always going to be that hanging over them. They very well might do it. Uh, people have been making, uh, I know on First Things First, they talk about, if Lamar does flame out in the playoffs again, will he be Harden? Um, will people be considering like James Harden where he's unbelievable, but in the playoffs doesn't go well. The flip side of that is because he's about to win a second MVP. He also could just go full metal Jokic and just boat race everyone in the playoffs and win a ring. And then there will be no doubt. So it's going to be fascinating, but yeah, they look like the favorites. And I, I Miami, I, they're better than I thought they would be. They're still me in the playoffs, but I'll tell you this much. If the Steelers do squeak in and they beat the Bill, Miami beats the Bills and it's Pittsburgh seven seed, Miami two seed first round, I feel very good going into that game. I absolutely think the Steelers can go in there and beat them, no matter with Pickett or Mason Rudolph. Um, so that's my spin off that. I would feel great about that matchup. Um, about the Steelers' chances there. And that's a that's a good takeaway. Um, all right, I'll give you – I've won it. I'll save my other AFC one for last. So I'll give you my NFC takeaway. I kind of hinted at this Thursday. But the NFC to me, man, feels very up for grabs. I think you can make it because all the top teams have questions and flaws. And even as dominant as San Francisco's looked at times, I don't think that they're – you can't feel 100% about them because they've had some meltdown moments. I got to tell you, man, even though they kind of had an ugly game this week against the Giants, I still really like where the Rams are at. And I can absolutely see the Rams getting hot. And now this, they might go out first round, but I can absolutely see the Rams getting hot and making a run to the Super Bowl because they have the best quarterback in the conference and they have the best coach. Or you can argue about the quarterback. You cannot argue. That's the bit. That's it. And that matters so much in any playoff game. The Rams will play. They will have the best coach. Shanahan, I know he's owned McVay, but the McVay beat him in the playoffs last time they faced in the playoffs when the Rams won the Super Bowl. Um, so I just think the NFC, I don't tr- fully trust San Francisco. Philly's a mess. I don't trust Dallas one bit. I don't trust Detroit one bit. The NFC South is what it is. And Jordan Love could be dangerous if he had a defense, but he doesn't. So he's not if he gets in, he's not going anywhere. So the Rams, man, I really think they can make a deep run. That's my fourth takeaway. I, I really am starting to see it. I would not be surprised at all. Uh, look, the Rams, they beat the Giants. They submitted themselves as a playoff team. They came up as a great surprise. But, Colby, we've said this at the beginning of the season. We said it at the beginning of the season. If Stafford is out there, we knew that he was going to be out there being the gunslinger that he is. And he's going to take off with this team. We said it at the beginning of the season. Did we expect to go this far? 
No, I thought they were going to no. be pretty bad, honestly. <laughs> I thought it would be more of a stat padding season. Yeah, I think I think it would have been more of a stat padding season if every if it would have been more of a classic Stafford stat pad, um, where he just struggles around the team. If anything, he looks great. Team's just terrible. But instead. It was like that for a little bit, but it was, hey, this team's terrible, but they're somehow winning football games. Here we are come playoff time, and the Rams are now, like you said, one of the teams that are actually making other people shaking their boots a little bit. I know Lions fans already got the idea of Stafford returning to visit them in the playoffs in their head. Um, It's not really locked in yet, I'm pretty sure, but pretty much is, right? Uh yeah, so basically it's not locked. So the Rams are basically it, it it varies. It's more than likely that will be the matchup. It's Detroit could technically move up to the two, but they have to win and they need Dallas and Philly to both lose and they're playing the Giants and Washington, so that's pretty unlikely. And the Rams could uh I'm not even sure who the Rams play this week, but if they lose and the I think they play the Niners who might be resting people actually. If the Rams lose and the Packers win, uh, the Packers would move above them to the sixth seed because the Packers beat them in a game that uh, John Wolford or whoever their backup is played. <laughs> so um, it's 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 not guaranteed, but yeah, it's more than likely that will be the matchup, and that will be must see TV. It will be interesting. It will be interesting. So yeah, uh, Rams. I agree. They are a team that caught us all, definitely by by surprise. Yeah, and they I was good. wrong they on it. They've, they've been excellent. They've been fun to watch. All right, Jalen, your fourth takeaway. Go ahead. Kobe, I'm going to go ahead. You mentioned that you were going to say it for a quick tad bit, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to use the NFC South. We <laughs> always say it's gross, but this time it's just disappointing. Um, <laughs> not, all three teams are alive, and the Falcons, if the Bucks lose to the Panthers – and the Falcons win against the Saints, the Falcons can be a team oh, that host. Oh, the Falcons should, do not deserve to be in the playoffs. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, uh, th- my takeaway is, is just it's bit, it's a little disappointing. Um, I mean, we did we had a squad ride for Baker Mayfield, and he came out so flat in that game at home against the Saints. He came out so flat. So disappointing to watch. I mean, if you're a Saints fan, congratulations, Derek Carr. You're finally getting what you getting what your worth is from Derek Carr and Dennis Allen. To, uh, so late into the year, but uh, I I don't even think you still trust him to be honest. But be honest, I don't like it. Let's be real. Like the Saints hosted a playoff game. Do we expect them to win? No. Same thing with the Falcons. So it's just a little disappointing. And the fact the sadder thing is. The Panthers, I don't think, I don't know what's going on with the Bryce Young situation and everything, um, if he's playing or not. But I'm going to go ahead and say that if the if the Panthers somehow pull this upset off, I'll feel even worse for Baker. Because then we were, two weeks ago, we were just saying how this franchise has found their guy. They're making this incredible run. All they have to do is win one more. And if they can't just win this next one, it would really stink. So very disappointed in the NFC South, even though they are very interesting. And they're also just taking up all the playoff spots, like separate <laughs> them from the hunt. Like if they're just playing for their division tile, just put them over there and say, list it as just playing for that, please. You need to get them out of the picture, please. I hate it. 
Yeah, no, that's a great takeaway. It's very disappointing. Baker, had they won, they would have locked it up. They should still beat Carolina. So the Bucs are obviously the most entertaining out of all those teams. But yeah, it was certainly a, a humbling reminder. And uh, for how fun the Bucs have been the last month when they've been cooking, it's definitely a bummer to see them lay an egg like that. Hopefully they take care of business against Carolina because, God, I don't want to see Atlanta or New Orleans in a playoff game. We'd much rather see Baker. But, yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's sloppy, and it's about what we deserve, I guess. <laughs> um, All right, my last takeaway. I'm going to go to the other South and a bit more positive, the AFC South, and just quickly um, point out, which we'll spend more time on Thursday, but we have a legitimate playoff game on Saturday night between the Colts and Texans schedule makers got to be thrilled. It worked out this way, literally a win in it. Winner is in the playoffs. Loser is not. If the Jags end up losing Sunday, it'll be for the division. Uh, but the Jags have the tiebreaker over them. So, but if not, the winner will get a wild card spot. And it just goes to show how much of a difference coaching makes both these teams. They picked two and four in the draft last year. They were horrible. And um, obviously Part of that is Houston drafted C.J. Stroud. Indy's quarterback they drafted only played like four games. Um, but Steichen and Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryan's A++ out-of-the-park home run hires. Um, you and I liked both those hires, and they worked out even better than I think either of us could have thought. Um, so that just shows uh, – just shout-out to those two organizations that have been kind of in the dumps in recent years just on absolutely – hammering and nailing those coaching hires man both D'Amico and Shane Steichen terrific jobs both will be get coach of the year votes don't know if they win I think Stefanski probably wins it um because the Browns have been better than those teams but just an impressive magnificent turnarounds for both those franchises and uh both those coaches and I can't watch them wait to watch them go head to head with the playoff spot on the line yeah, uh, those guys, that's going to be an electric game. It's a great Saturday game, like you said. Um, dude, it, the, the Beaver, the, we did not have either of these teams probably as highly regarded as we expected. Like Just like the, just like we just mentioned, some of these teams have come out with great surprises, and these guys are one, definitely one of them. Uh, shout out to my guy, Gardner Minshew. And more importantly, like you were mentioning, shout out to D'Amico Ryans. I mean, we knew he was a home run hire, culture builder, but Will Anderson's working in working in silence. I mean, he's putting up good numbers, and you hardly ever hear his name called for foul trouble. So it's pretty. He's a great rookie pickup, and we already know about C.J. Stroud. They actually listen to their quarterbacks. Their quarterbacks of us that they just drafted. The guy was like, "Hey." You should check out this guy named Tank Dell. He turned out to be a stud. So they actually, like you said, they did great in their uh, court, in their drafting process. And shout out to the Colts who got rid of Shaq Leonard and turned around and still was wearing, winning football games, and they're still in a playoff contention. They got rid of their superstar defensive player, and they're still <laughs> doing good. I mean – Shout out Shane Steichen. I mean, we're over here complaining about how the Eagles team is so boring and predictable when both their coordinators are doing pretty good stuff lately. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. Both these teams deserve – this game is a great highlight for both these teams. I hope they live up to the moment because they deserve it. 
Hopefully no ties, though. I, and a live up to the moment does not mean draw this game out to a tie. As a Steelers this is the fan, AFC South. I would be okay with is... a tie, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> AFC South, anything can happen. Um, all right, so we did a little bit of a playoff. What if a playoff? What if? See, and you know, I'm actually really proud. I'm really proud of the fact that you didn't even mention this team. My ankle biting Browns <laughs> tank of the year. That that is that that is my final biting team. ankles. They're gonna be in the playoffs. Yeah, you end up. You were right. That's they're very good this year. I mean, it, it's been a ride. It's been fun to watch from them doing a rotation of quarterbacks and still winning games through excellent defense and run game. But more importantly, of course, it's Joe Flacco lately. He's brought in all the hype that this team needs to go full, to actually seem like a playoff contender. Um, it's fun. The storylines are fun about the team. Everyone talks about them in a good way. Um, they're just like the Rams. You know, they're the, they're the team that's just like the Rams that people are talking about, how they can be a huge upset to teams. And I completely agree. I mean, you give me – you're giving me the Browns versus more likely the Jags or Texans again or Colts. It's going to be against any AFC South team, I guess it is. So, yeah, I, I like those chances. The Browns have a good chance to make a run. I gave Christian a great hypothetical that it's a chance you will see the Browns but in a higher round. So, <clears throat> ankle-biting Browns, take of the year. It's a great, great take. Who would have thought? Uh, oh, wait. Great take. Got to give you credit, man. You got to – you, you probably might have had better takes than me this year at the NFL. You definitely have been right about a lot of things. So credit to you. That was a good one. <laughs> oh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't come in last place in our fantasy football league. That's for sure. <laughs> and Matt, that's true. That's a good point. So. <laughs> All right, man. That was fun. That's pretty good. Week 17 takeaways. Um, if, if Unless you have anything else, we can go ahead and hit the NBA here before we go. I am ready to hit up some NBA, man. I'm All ready. Right. So we're gonna just do this through the lens, and we'll hope we'll get to spend a little more time on them than usual. So you can stop me when we want to talk about a specific team. But we are gonna just do the NBA tiers. It's a new year, time for new tiers. There have been some movement. I again, I feel pretty good about these names. We'll see if they were better than last time. Just for this was a look when we did a few weeks ago. Oh, these were the tiers from a few weeks ago. And there have been some changes. So, the NBA tiers, first to second of the year, season moving right along, almost not quite halfway through, but uh, we're getting there. So, are you ready? At the bottom of the tiers, are you ready? Yes, sir. At the bottom of the tiers, fittingly, all by themselves, rewriting the record books. It's just the Pistons. Now they did snap the streak. They did after they set the all-time losing streak record with 28 straight losses. They did win against the Toronto team that had just traded away one of its best players, and uh, the new guys that got in the trade weren't there yet. So they beat shorthanded Toronto for their third win, and then promptly lost again yesterday. Um, they're three and twenty, three and thirty, three and twenty-nine, I believe. Uh, so yeah, they're historically all-time bad. They're rewriting the record books of how bad they are. It's been a disaster. They had to be by themselves at the bottom. They deserve some recognition. I just would like to say that I abandoned ship. 
about I don't know 15 wins 15 losses yeah. ago yeah yeah me too that was that was smart I thought they could have taken a step forward this year nope it's been even worse <laughs> yeah so they're just all time bad uh rewriting the record books all right next year about who you'd expect grateful for Detroit that's the next year these teams are all also awful but they're not as bad as the Pistons so no one's talking about them no one cares it's the Wizards Hornets Blazers and Spurs Listen, the Hornets were looking frisky, and then LaMelo's been out for, like, several weeks now, and they're just awful. Um, Washington is predictably horrible. The pay, the Blazers have moments where they're very fun. Uh, and Scoot, after a disastrous start, has been playing better, so that's a good sign, but they're still terrible. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I imagine, and Jeremy Grant will be traded at some point. And the Spurs, who Wemby in flashes has been pretty good. I like what I've seen from Wemby, but they have no point guard, and the rest of this team is just a disaster. Devin Vassell is interesting. I like him, but they're awful. The Spurs, I thought they would be slightly improved. They're just as bad as they were last year. So all four of these teams are also really, really bad, but they're not as bad as the Pistons, so no one's talking about them. Yeah, that's the sad part about this, you know, especially (laughs) the Spurs being in this conversation. Maybe, honestly, mainly the Spurs and Hornets. It's really disappointing when you see those two teams in this low of category, but especially in the Spurs, you see the highlights you see them. I mean, I guess they're not really highlights. They're more like lowlights, of course, where it's like they per- they don't pass the ball to Wimby for alley-oops. And then when you do see them pass the ball to him, it's like, oh, my God, about time, you know? And it's like, oh, it's so easy. Why aren't we doing this more? And they don't. They go back to not doing it. <laughs> it's like they just go back to not giving him the ball. So it's very fascinating about how the Spurs are messing this up. I am honestly a little bit concerned. Maybe Pop isn't the guy to lead in this team. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe this is the time. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe his old ways just isn't going to fit for the young kid. Um, And then for the Hornets, you know, just complete trail, just complete trash wreck. But Jordan Poole, come on, Colby. Jordan Poole's hooping. No, he's not. He's awful. (laughs) He's an idiot. Yeah, the Wizards are a disaster. I mean, but everyone knew that. But yeah, they're they're ridiculous to watch. and poor Scoot, man, I don't think he's going to sniff the rookie of the year. I, I know he talked he it up a couple weeks ago. He ain't going to. He's going to a big hole. And, hey, listen, Brandon Miller for Charlotte has been very, has been pretty good. But they, without LaMelo, they're just they – no Has he been the better rookie out of the three down there? Um. Well, I would say Wemby's still been better, but Wemby's just supporting cast is so horrible. And he doesn't – they don't pass him the ball, as you said. Brandon Miller's been very – been pretty good, though. Um. The real rookie steals, we'll get to them later. They're much higher on the tiers. Um, But, but yeah, right now, so Chet is going to win rookie of the year running away. But, you know, he's a second-year guy but because he missed all last year. Wemby would probably still be second, I would say. Um, Brandon Miller up there somewhere. Scoot started disastrously. He's been better recently. But that's kind of where they're at. All right, you ready next year? Let's hopefully move on up to some more talkable teams. All right, next here are the sellers. These teams are going to be looking to offload pieces, or at least yeah, they yeah. Will be. the Bulls, the Jazz, the Nets, who have just fallen off a cliff lately. They are really struggling. The Hawks, who are a disaster, and the Raptors, who shout out, as we said at the beginning, finally, after two years of flirting with it, traded OG and Anobi to the Knicks. And while they, instead of going for a pick crazy haul like I thought they would try to get, they go with players, but they get two younger players in R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, who are both 
interesting. Quickly's been good. I think they both fit well with Scotty Barnes, who has been – that's been the one bright spot for Toronto, Scotty Barnes. Whatever funk he was in in his sophomore slump last year is gone. He's been excellent. Um, Toronto still got to move Siakam. I would imagine they will because he doesn't really fit with this young team they have. But I, I'm very interested to see how RJ looks in Toronto the rest of this year and quickly. I, You and I were texting about it after they made the trade. I really liked the move for the Raptors. I thought they did very well. Um, and I think they're in a much better place than they were. So shout out to them. All these other teams, you got to unload some pieces. Atlanta, they got to break up the Trey Young, DeJounte Murray thing. It is a disaster. The I, I heard uh, someone on Bill Simmons' podcast, I forget who it was last week, was saying uh, the, tr- the DeJounte Murray trade actually worse than the Gobert trade because of how good the Timberwolves have been this year. They gave up like three picks in a swap for, for DeJounte Murray to the Spurs, the Hawks did. And it is a disaster. Um, so they have to move him. You're not going anywhere with that backcourt. So there's the sellers, these teams. And Brooklyn, they don't have an incentive to really tank because they don't have their picks, but they've got to move off some of these guys. This team is just like, it's just a bunch of role players that they're not going anywhere. And they've got to get a better point guard than Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh my God. That dude is such a chucker. It's ridiculous. The Bulls, Kobe White's been excellent. Uh, Great to see he's breaking out. They don't even want, Levine doesn't want to be there. I don't think they want him there, but I don't know what you're going to get for him at this point, but you got to make some moves. So there's the sellers. A lot of interesting teams there. It's crazy that it's hard to. It's going to be a little tough for the Jazz. I feel like to be a seller, though. I mean, who who do you have on the selling block? Clarkson uh, yeah. and Clarkson. maybe Clarkson. One of the young guys uh, like Kessler or Sexton. No, no not Kessler because he's young. Mostly Clarkson. Clarkson, Sexton. If someone you don't want to trade Markinen, but if someone makes like a crazy offer for him, then maybe him. Clarkson's the main one. I think you can get. A, Something decent for Clarkson. Oh, and John Collins. I don't know why they traded for him. That was dumb. He's awful. Um, it was a stretch, for they sure. Got, they, but they got to clear up minutes for some of these young guys that they've already drafted, and since they have their jillion picks coming down the road. Um, so, yeah. Utah not doesn't need to be as – doesn't have as big of names to trade as some of these other teams, but still still should make some moves. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking at this list, man. Like, Jazz is going to be a tough seller, but the Bulls – I'm agreeing with you about where does Zach Levine go. I feel like he's going to be a top big media market name. Throw those quotes up because <laughs> I don't know who will be really interested in him. That is more of a contender. I don't think so. Maybe I could. He's more of like an LA team. If you ask me, like he, he seems like one of the names that I see the <laughs> Lakers trying to go out and grab. So uh, that, that's where I feel like. Levine is at and then I would hate for that to be Levine's fate because Caruso you know he's the guy that's out there putting his heart and soul on wherever <laughs> he plays so if, if anything I feel like the Lakers should look at the Bulls roster and look at Caruso first try to save him before you turn around for Levine but I it makes more sense also Levine's a star type deal you can get rid of D'Lo all that mess um and for the Nets, man, I'm right there with you, actually, on this one, for once. Usually, I'm over here arguing that they should be higher, but they just got a team full of role players. We said it at the beginning of the season. That's really what they are. I mean, yeah, Cam Johnson and all of them, are, and Miles Bridges is nice, but okay. I, I'm starting to come to terms with it, too. You know, you got to mix it up. You got to give me a star or something. Like, I don't think it's cashing in with these guys at the moment. They'll get you, they'll get you into the playing tournament, but 
I don't think that's I don't know if that's gonna be enough to get you into a playoff. Yeah. No, they're yeah, then, they're stuck in the middle. They should try to get Jaden Ivey from Detroit because Detroit just drafted a bunch of point guards that don't really shoot that well for some reason. <laughs> they're trying to find the magic formula, but it's not working. Um and then the Raptors and Hawks. I mean, you brought up a great trade for DeJounte and everything. I forgot where where were you proposing? Oh, well, I said it could be well, DeJounte, there's a couple places I like. I actually think New Orleans would be kind of interesting for him. But the one I said to you is, could Toronto and Atlanta just do a swap for DeJounte Murray and uh, Siakam? I think both teams. Oh, there it is. I, yeah. yeah, I would say it's, it, may be, it makes less sense for Toronto because Atlanta is still going to, I'd imagine, try to win. They have Quinn Snyder coaching. They still got Trey Young. And Toronto's more of a rebuild. But I, I wonder what that would look like because I would think – I feel like both those players would fit better on the opposite teams. So I, I do think there's something there. That could be interesting to me. So, yeah, I do like the idea of DeJounte moving or just the the Hawks in general trying to spice something up. So – and then the Raptors. <laughs> I am very – see, I'm pro, I'm pro spicy P. I like him too. So, I just think he doesn't really fit with their team. I mean, they need a good, they need a big guy, and they need some type of tall presence down low, and to have a name like Spicy P down there, it helps. I, I mean, he's he's not like a Rudy Gobert glass cleaner. Is that what you're expecting him to be? No, no. I just I would rather see him on a contender, and I think he does a lot of the same stuff as Scotty Barnes. There's kind of some overlap with him and Scotty Barnes. Like I feel like Scotty Barnes has been he's our best player probably now already. I think he'll be even better like without see because. So the thing with Siakam, he just doesn't shoot threes super well. He can hit him a little bit, but he's not a great shooter. And But more, I also really like Siakam, which is why I've been trying to get him on a good team for the last two years. <laughs> Instead of just this stuck at this middle-of-the-road Toronto team. Well, I would love to see Siakam, I guess, in a new location if you say it like that. But it sounds like when you say it like that, you make him sound like a taller skin, a taller DeRozan or something but I don't know. A little bit. It's that's kind of an interesting comp. Um, all right, those are the sellers. Ready to keep going? Send it up. All right, next here. Adam Silver victory lap. Now, what does that mean? It's just yeah. it's just enter, enter Houston. The Adam Silver victory lap being look, hand up, full disclosure. I thought the play in tournament was very stupid. When they first announced that they were going to be doing that every year, I was like, "What? Why do you need that? Just have it be the teams. That's so dumb." It's a, it's awesome. It's pretty good. These games are intense, and it's achieving the result that the league wants, where these teams are actually going for it. These uh, the reason I made this the tier is Memphis, for the record, has a worse record than all the sellers because they dug themselves such a deep hole without Jaw. But they've been a lot better since Jaw came back. If they can be very good down the stretch here. They're basically going to be trying to claw into the play-in, which gives them a chance to squeak their way in. And if they win out and that gets the eighth seed and Houston is currently ninth, I believe in the West. Um, there are one game over 500. They've been an awesome story. Udoka take a bow. Great coaching job. He's turned them around. Shingun, the baby Joker is cooking. He's been amazing this year. He's probably not going to make the all-star team because there's so many great bigs in the West, but he's having a borderline all-star kind of year and he's only 21. So that's exciting to have him as your franchise player. Very exciting. Houston, where they're at with their young talent. And I think things are going very well for them. 
and Memphis, this is the team that I'm imagining if they can win out that they're going to be trying to catch for that last play-in spot because I'd expect the teams above them to more or less get their stuff together. Um, so the Adam Silver victory lap tier, the play-in tournament, it works. I was wrong. It's it's pretty cool, and it's having the desired effect. More teams are trying to win. So that's why I made this tier. Shot. Is that what this is, too, or you're calling your shot on the, uh, one of the Western play-in games? Well, no, I'm just saying like this is going to be for the. This will be for the ten seed, like the last spot. They're not both going to be in it. This is. You like, don't think both will be in it? I uh, think the way the greatest have researched, I think well, they I'm both can be like, in it. Well, there's still like way more, a bunch more Western teams above them that we haven't even got to yet. There's only ten spots. I'm just saying this is the team that I think Memphis could catch because I think Houston. So they've been a fun story, but I think it's with younger guys you maybe expect them to drop off at some point. We'll see if they do, but that's why I made this the tier. I think Grizzlies can make that three-team jump. That's what it's looking like right now. Yeah, they got to. We'll get to it later, but I think uh, I think they have a good chance. The way they've been playing, they've just been it, – it's crazy. Last season, like we, we mentioned it on the last tier's list, it was the whole, the whole story about how John Morant, they don't need him and they play good without him. That's this year, it's, they need them, and now they're playing completely different basketball with them. So, even though they have lost three straight, <laughs> even though they have lost, they had some issues. They had to play the Nuggets in there, so you can't beat them too much. Beat them up. <laughs> they actually had to face them. He said they had to play. They actually had to face them, a basketball team. They actually had to. Face them. <laughs> All right, ready? Keep going. Mm-hmm. All right, next year again. These aren't standings. Interestingly, incomplete. Three Easter teams that will all be in the playoffs, but they're not complete as whole. The Pacers, the Knicks, this Cavs. The Pacers, it's been they're interestingly incomplete in that there's moves that need to be made. The Pacers, I uh, don't even feel like I need to spend a lot of time on it. They're fun. Halliburton is amazing. They have a winning record. They're excellent to watch, and they probably couldn't guard us. They have literally no defenders. So they've got to acquire at some point someone who can play defense. That's why they're incomplete. The Knicks, you already saw they made their first trade with Ananobi. They've only played one game with him, so I got to see how that looks. I generally like the move, um, but I'd imagine there's another move to be made to try to get like a bench scoring guy, maybe someone from Utah, one of those Utah guards or Chicago, maybe Caruso or something to kind of replace what quickly did running the show off the bench. And for the Cavs, it's they're incomplete in a couple ways. One, the looming Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to be there, stuff that we've talked about. And also, they haven't had Garland and Mobley have both been hurt. They've got to make some tweaks to the roster as well. So these teams are all winning records, all will be in the playoffs, but they've all got to make some more moves or they're going nowhere fast. The Knicks, they made their first move, and they've only played literally one game since they made that trade. So I felt like I had to put them in this tier because we don't even know how it's going to end up looking. Well, oh, I, for all these teams, first of all, it'd be in the East. Um, I do want to say for the Pacers, man, they have been a weirdly interesting team when you talk about incompleteness. I mean, <laughs> they got the guys, but they kind of don't, you know? Oh, like, you hear the they they, they, yeah. You hear the names that they have on roster? Like, they got Buddy Heal, they got Miles Turner. You know, and then, of course, you know, with Halliburton, you're like, okay, that's a good solid three. And then it's just like, like you said, like they don't play a lick of defense and everything. And it's just 
even the coach came out and said that they can't guard anybody. So oh, it's was, definitely. Did you see that? The, that was like the greatest quote ever. He said, even he said, he, even dating a pretty girl gets old when she can't guard anybody. The memes about that are phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Rick Carlisle came out and draw, drew one literally out of the bucket. Um, I'm going to go. And then to the Knicks and Cavs here for the Knicks. I just like to see how this trade turns out and then everything. Cause yeah, Ananobi is a valuable, I get, what is it called? You like to call it, what is it? Three and D kind of, kind of guy. Is that what they call him? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he is a valuable, he is a valuable player that you see in that aspect. Like I agree. We seen that. La- I saw that last game here with the Wolves, but I just want, you still don't have that star. That's my takeaway from it is at the end of the day, you still don't have a star. That's why this trade was not earth shattering. It wasn't, you know, if anything, you did set up to make it a star more attractive, maybe. Maybe it does set up to make you more attractive for a star here at the trade deadline. Um, to be partners maybe with the team right next to you, with Donovan Mitchell. I mean, they're dealing with all those injuries right now. They are incomplete, but it could also be a signal to where their season's going. I mean, then again, Donovan Mitchell wasn't happy playing in Utah, and he played there for years on end and was still balling out. So until the, until literally COVID had to almost drive them apart. So a literal pandemic. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I do like that one. It's just, I think maybe the Knicks deserve to be a little bit higher. That's fair. I kind of put them here just because like, it's they're like, in, they're more incomplete and just, I need to see it. I need to see them play with OG and Anobi for a couple weeks, see what it looks like um, before I can move sure. them. All right, you ready for the next tier? This is my favorite name of all the tiers. Yeah, let's see it. Too small, too shallow, too stubborn. Three legends can expect <laughs> to be camp- competing for championships. The Warriors, they're too small. I've said it over and over again. They don't have enough size. They're going nowhere fast without the size, even though some of their young guys have emerged, so that's been cool. Phoenix, they're too shallow. They they have their three stars who rarely ever play together, even though they have played a few games together now. And the rest of their team is not good enough to go anywhere in the playoffs. They're slightly above 500. There's the KD frustrated stories, all that. They're too shallow. And the Lakers, who are only 500 and have been not good at all since winning the in-season tournament, too stubborn. Darvin Ham, I don't know what he's doing, man. He was, I thought, very good last year in the playoffs on their little run they made. The, he is throwing out starting lineup of a bunch of wing forwards. He's throwing out not starting Austin Reeves, who's the third best player on the team easily. He's throwing out a starting lineup of Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, and um, and Jared Vanderbilt with LeBron and AD. I mean, that, that just makes no sense. The spacing is kind of jacked. So the Lakers could and should be better. But now I'd imagine they're going to try to make one of those trades, maybe for a Levine, as you said. But I don't know really what Darvin Ham is doing with these lineups as we hit the 10-minute warning. This makes no sense to me. They're fine. They're <laughs> you need to say what Darvin Ham's trying to do. Maybe he's trying to cook up a last-minute trade here and everything. Maybe he's trying to cook something up and bring some value to his team. Or I don't know. Try and find a way to bring in a star to say, make his job a little bit easier. Because to be honest with you, I don't know what Darvin Ham's doing. It seems like LeBron does half the coaching as it is. Um yeah, the, I'm glad you mentioned the KD memes and everything. Love that. Love to hear the meme talks. I have been seeing them. 
Uh, I'm hoping that my boy is not going to be, I don't forgot, I forgot, Okogi, Josh Okogi. Hopefully he's not a victim to the trade memes because they were already pairing it off with uh, LeBron and Curry when they give that little look off to the teammate that's about to get traded. So hopefully Okogi's not going to be that guy. Um, he actually plays good defense for them, actually. And then they actually just lose their three again. Like, are or did they still are they still doing their new starting three? How many games have that gone under? Uh, they've played a couple games now, still only like three or four. I think they're all healthy right now, though. Um, still all healthy. That's important. So, yeah, they're finally playing. Bradley Beal's finally playing. That's the main one. He didn't play like the whole two months for the first to start the year. But yeah. Bold decision. I mean, I am. But he's, um, he's always hurt. <laughs> yeah, and then you got the Warriors, who probably fit all three of these categories. To be honest, honestly, yeah, do yeah. they have some? De- the one thing for the Warriors, I'll say, um, the kid they drafted, uh, Pods Pajinski. I don't even know how to say it. Um, from Santa Clara, he is good. That was a great draft pick. He he, because I was watching. They played the Nuggets for Christmas. He is legitimately good. So they at least hit on their draft pick this year. So I'll give them credit for that. But yeah, they're they have issues. <laughs> yeah, they got a little bit. They got a little bit of ways. Both three of these teams got a little bit of ways to go. So, all right, yeah, that's a good tier for them. Good tier. Thank you, thank you. All right, we got eight minutes, so I'm gonna go through these a little faster. All right, I mean, who knows the next tier? Who knows with these two, Pelicans or the Clippers? Listen, both of these teams have a ton of talent. They, on any given night, can go toe-for-toe with anybody in the league. They are both deep. They The Pelicans' depth is crazy. Not just, like, having Zion Ingram, McCollum, the guys you normally think about. Dyson Daniels is good, who they drafted recently. Trey Murphy, who they picked from UVA a couple years ago, is phenomenal since he's been back. The kid they picked from UConn this year, Hawkins, is good. The Pelicans have a lot of depth. And the Clippers, they've I, I gave them credit one of the previous episodes we did. I thought it was going to be a disaster. They've been rolling with Harden now and Kawhi and Paul George. But who knows? On any given night, these teams can also be completely flat and look awful. And they're both also major health risks when it comes to their star players. So who knows? When they're at their best, these teams are deep, talented, and well-coached and as good as anyone. But their downside is so low. So who knows what's going to happen with these two the rest of the way. You could tell me they're in the second round of the playoffs, both of them. I wouldn't be shocked. You could tell me they missed the playoffs and fall apart and missed the playoffs. Wouldn't be shocked. So that's just kind of where they're at. But right now, they're both pretty, they're both playing very well. Great take. Completely agree. And just for the sake of time, I will agree and we let's move on. All right. Only a few more. Here we go. A move away, a year away. Two of our show favorites and the Mavericks. The Kings, Mavs, and Magic. Sacramento and Dallas, they're a move away. Dallas, Luka's playing like an MVP level. He's been absurd. Kyrie's been out a lot of games, but they still don't have enough help for him. They got to get him another a front court player that can defend and provide some offense playing off of him. I would love to see them get Siakam as well. I think that would be perfect with Luka. Would love to see that. Sacramento, I love where they're at. Love the team, but I've been beating this drum for a year now. They've got to get oh, – they, I thought, should have been – a team that went for LG Ananobi. They've got to get another player on the wing to really complete this. And for the Magic, they're the team that's a year away. They're going to be in the playoffs. They've been an excellent story. Nailed my sleeper pick two years in a row. But this is they're just, just way too young as they have a ton of talent, a ton of depth. The future is very bright. But they're going to have to take their lumps this year in the playoffs. Um, 
can be tough for them to win more than a round. But that's a move away, a year away, and all these teams will be sitting pretty. They're all very good teams, very fun to watch, all three of them. Mavericks been in that title, like you just pretty much said, a move away, a year away. They have been in that same. I feel like they've been stuck in this realm for two seasons, pretty much. I feel like ever since we started this, they have been stuck in a move away, a year away, where we're just sitting here like, oh man, maybe they'll get a star or some kind of player that'll take them to the next edge. I thought it was Christian Wood, terribly mistaken. They are better than last year. I'll give them that. But yeah, you're right. (laughs) We both didn't believe in Kyrie, but like you said, they're better than last year. So yeah. And then Kings. They just got a little bland. So, yeah, they do need a little – I think they do need a move to mix it up a little bit. Cause, they need a defender. They don't play enough defense. They're not as bad as the Pacers, but they don't play enough defense. <laughs> yeah, they play a fast-paced offense, so they do need some defense on there. Yeah. And then Magic, I mean, it's an honor to be this high. Yeah, they, they've been – this has been the best Magic year in a decade, easily. <laughs> so we'll see if they can keep it going. We're talking Dwight Howard. We're talking Dwight Howard numbers here. Yeah. All right, Um, I think we only have three more. Yeah, three more tiers. Finals upside. These four could all be in the championship series, and no one should be surprised. Your Timberwolves, the best record in the West, their defense is monstrous. Anthony Edwards is balling out. Miami – they're better than they were in the regular season last year. They have the real steal to draft. Jaime Jaquez, ridiculous. Um, it may have worked out by them not going for Dame. He has been phenomenal. Just what they do, they just know what they're doing. Philly, Embiid is easily the MVP right now. He's better than he was last year when he won it. Nick Nurse has been a fantastic upgrade over Doc. Maxi's balling out, and they still have moves to make. And the Thunder are just crazy. They have so much youth, talent, and depth. And SGA, you literally cannot guard him. You cannot stop SGA. He just does whatever he wants. He's easily in the top 10 and potentially creeping up to the top five players in the league with how he's playing. Chet has been a home run. Jalen Williams is excellent. So all of these teams, while they're not the favorites, could absolutely be playing for the championship if things go well in the playoffs. about this tier right now. Um if anything, just because we're the number one team in the West, like you were saying, the team a conference is full of competitive football, football, basketball teams. <laughs> um, I do want to say this though, the Thunder, they definitely deserve to be right up there with all these teams. They've proven it easily. And Shea, like you were just raving about as well, he, he's on track to be proving his own case for MVP once again. Yeah, he's so and Anthony Edwards just keep living up to those comparisons. And Jamie, I've said it during his. I think he was one of my favorite picks. So I just want to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, you did call that. You did like Hawkeyes a lot. So yeah, the Heat they just do what they do, man. All right, I'll finish out because we only got two minutes. You know, there's only three teams left. We all know who they are. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to guess the order at this point. I didn't type it out, but it's supposed to be something's a little off. Moving down from the top spot, the defending champion Nuggets and Milwaukee. For Milwaukee, it's quite simple. The defense is very concerning on the perimeter, and I don't know if they can overcome it. For Denver, Jokic has like kind of had some games where he's been in a funk. He's still been excellent for the most part, but I mean, a lot of these games he's barely even shooting and they're winning. Um, so they're still very good, but they've had some off nights. Something's a little off. I had to drop him from the top spot because they haven't looked as good as a team at the top. The Monstars, that's from Space Jam, in case you didn't know. It's the Celtics. I mean, 
The Celtics have been ridiculous. I said I would, had they lost that Detroit game, I couldn't have put them here, but they didn't. Uh, they're five of Porzingis, Tatum Brown, Holiday White is crazy. Uh, it's ridiculous. So they're the Monstars. They look like the best team right now. Um, we only have a minute left, so let's just finish this up. And you want this Wolves up there? That's fair. I just these other three have been on deep playoff runs before, and the Wolves haven't. So that's why I couldn't put them up here. Two other teams haven't beaten the Nuggets in a playoff game. Let's remember that. <laughs> that um, true. Uh, we're about to run out of time, so you want to hit it here? Yeah, so this is going to be the fastest annotated final thoughts. Colby, you said it was college football. Which game just took your attention? Which one were you going to go to? Well, they were both great. It was the best playoffs in years. But Michael Penix, my guy, Washington, ridiculous. Should go in the top ten. He's absurd. Love to see that. My One of my favorite college quarterbacks I've seen in years. That's my final thought. Uh, hate to see it. I was rooting for Texas, obviously, in that game. I, it's know, I know. I just love that. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed the show. Hopefully, this was some good stuff, as always. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the CJJC Show. Whenever you want more biased takes, go on over to our social media pages, Spotify, or wherever you can probably find a podcast, if we have it up. And if we do, thank you for following us on social media. And besides that, have a good one, y'all.